Recently, I read a quote by Ram Das that said that we don't judge trees. We kind of allow them to be in all their diversity. But when it comes to humans, we judge. We judge others and we judge ourselves and we compare and we make assumptions. It really made me think a lot about the judgments we have that lead to the exclusion of others and how that might come from a place of self-dissatisfaction. I know when I feel jealousy, I can link it back to my own fear of not being good enough and I wonder what impact this has on my authentic self. Today on the show, I'm joined by Tamara Murray to talk about inclusion and self-acceptance. Tamara, welcome. Thank you. What messy hats would you like to throw on the pile today? Good question. Um, let's start with mother, um, wife, educator, teacher for almost about 20 years, and all those others, friend, daughter, sister, yeah so many hats and so many roles in our lives yes absolutely so i invited you on the show today because i really wanted to explore inclusion and self-acceptance with you and not only because of your professional work but also because of the journey that you've been on over the past few years in your own words you've described having people pleasing schema of wanting to make sure that people really loved you and also how that kind of linked in with your fear of getting older I guess I'm curious about inclusion as a process of knowing ourselves first so that we know best how to understand other people as well and I think something that comes up for me a lot is sometimes we we still see the world through our own hats and through our own lens and then we try and include into that rather than looking at how to actually change the world and understand people in, in different and diverse ways. Where in that do you see knowing yourself and that, that process of self-discovery and doing the internal work to yeah. fit? Um, I, I don't think I actually wanted to admit or acknowledge who I was. I think that was also part of it. I didn't want to delve deep into mm. that because I was scared of who I might find. Yeah. I might find that, I don't know, there were some really horrible characteristics that I didn't like or, you know, except certain parts of me that I didn't want to accept. Mm. I think that a lot of that was that denial, not wanting to, mm. until I did, because I had no other choice but to. And then I, so I was, I started seeing a psychologist and yeah, went through looking at what my schemas were. Um, and from that moment, understanding that I was someone who, um, didn't like uncertainty and I needed that control in my life and that's where that high expectations and perfectionism came from as well as the self-sacrificing um, mm. that others were more important to me than myself once I realized that it was huge mm. huge change to go oh okay that's who I am and that's why I feel that way and then making a conscious choice to improve that yeah because I didn't want to beat rock bottom anymore. Yeah, that well, like that, we kind of really resonates with me when you're saying, you know, it's almost the the fear of the vulnerability. Like, what do I find when I take all these hats off? And I guess that is part of this process of of doing the podcast. And one of my words for 2020 is vulnerability. Actually, yeah. I feel safe when I can control the narrative, mm. but there's a limit to that on how well I get to know myself because I'm just knowing myself through the story I keep telling myself. Yes. Um, and you know, it is that, 
what do you find there? And it sounds like the things you found have actually been really positive and, mm. and enriching and have created a new kind of yeah. safety and growth. Yeah. Oh, I wish, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it would have been the same if mm. I had done, gone through this process, um, you know, years earlier. But, um, you know, I don't know, maybe I wish that I had not mm. just kept bottling it. And it was, it's bottling. Yeah. Not wanting to accept. And it goes back to that really basic human need and human question, I think, am I normal? Like we mm. all want to be, yeah. we all want to be normal. We all want to fit in and, and, you know, yes, we want to be individuals and self-express, but humans are social creatures and that need to be accepted yeah. is so huge. How does that, for you, I guess there was the, you didn't want a label. And yet when we look at the disability space in particular, mm. it's very label driven, isn't it? Is that funding's attached to labels. It's about having a diagnosis or a term. Mm. Um, how do you see that kind of working for, I guess for young people in the inclusion space when we're almost creating difference? Yeah. I am very, um, passionate about yeah understanding who we are understanding each other so that we you know say for myself as an educator I can support the children once I know and understand who they are or even for myself knowing that you know I've got um, like a physical condition and now that I have that understanding of what that is and what that means I can accept it and deal with it and move forward um, and I think you know social media and the media and you know society we are now talking so much about accepting people for who they are and whatever label they might be but at the same time I think there's still a bit of that fear especially when it comes to for example insurance companies and doctors and you know and yeah, will I, if I've got this label, there's a lot of parents that'll feel that if I've, my child's got this label, they won't get a job when, in the future. Or um, So there's still a fear, yeah. even though we're trying to be as accepting as we can be. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real conflict in that, isn't there? Because the label might actually be useful to the individual to give them a starting point. And again, part of knowing the self is like maybe knowing what hat or what label fits you in different times and places. but. Is that a label that gets stuck? Is it the hat yeah. you can't take off because yes. you've been essentially branded with hmm. this yeah. diagnosis? Or yeah, thing? that's right. Um, I was watching a um, a video the other day. This um, lady who um, who's on YouTube and she was forced to um, admit that she was transgender, but for all of her life she's wanted people to just accept her for who she is, yeah. and not for that label yeah um so you can completely understand you know and i don't want to even say with my um my physical condition i want people to know what it is and i want them to understand so that when i'm having having a bad day that i know oh yeah i'm not just being lazy or i'm not just whinging um but at the same time i don't want people to judge me and think i can't do things because of that label yeah yeah so yeah, sword. <laughs> yeah it is isn't it and it, i was as you were saying that i was thinking about and then, you know, when we're looking now, especially at trauma-informed classrooms and how we're um, trying to understand the experience of the young person and what's led to the behaviour rather than you're the naughty kid or, yep. you know, you're being disruptive or you're always causing trouble is actually what experiences, adverse childhood experiences, all those things that happen in the lives of young people that 
shape that behavior so it's might be useful to have that label in that sense but are you getting to the human underneath it as well yeah and that's certainly the work that that i'm doing now is um working with um schools and working with leaders and and teachers and um to know their students yeah each as an individual so yes you might know that that child um um you know identifies as being indigenous but what does that actually mean to them how how does that affect them because each child may be different you know how much i guess you know culture that they're still involved with with their family or not um or um, they may identify that they are um, EALD, so you know that they have English as a second language, but at the same time in their home they actually always speak English. They've only ever known English, yeah. even though they were born in another country or their parents were, you know, born in another country. So just a label doesn't define who that person truly is. You yeah. need to know their story. Yeah. Yeah, the label is distracting and, and maybe it relies on assumptions, doesn't it? It's yes. the opposite of trauma-informed so and sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's an indicator to make you aware, Yeah. but it's not the story. Yeah, and that's, I guess education is such a huge part of that too, isn't it? It's around actually understanding what those labels even mean. Mm. And you said that before for you, it's been really handy because it gives you an opportunity to educate people about your condition or start those conversations. Mm. But maybe we don't do that so well when we are looking particularly at cultural diversity is that we just slap these labels mm. on as a called community or a first nations people and, the, and we make assumptions based on that yeah um another video um, i've been sharing um when i um visiting, um, visiting schools um it's it's quite good it has um you know someone who is Indian um, and says, you know, people just expect that I'm good at computers or, you know, somebody who, you know, and it's it's quite, it's got some humour in there. You can have that little bit of a joke, but, you know, that the essence of that is that people, again, are making that judgment because of your, how you look or, you know, um, what culture, you know, where you were born or or where where your parents were born, but it doesn't actually, again, I truly identify who you are yeah yeah and that's one of my real passion areas is looking at that implicit bias that we carry and how it shapes our work as professionals of really if we're making assumptions are we asking the right questions are we interacting with the person in a way that's already coming from you know especially in australia we are a racist country and i think that there's a lot of work for all of us to be done in how we unpack those attitudes and values and really get to the heart of like understanding the person as an individual entity with a really rich tapestry and that's the person we need to know so i guess like when we talk about walking in other people's shoes and we sort of say you know you you can't really understand another person's experience until you've walked in their shoes Um, and that still means that we're taking ourselves into that person's shoes and i just wonder what something you've found really useful when being curious about how we understand other people I think it's also about being respectful about how much they want to um, share, um, being observant, being a good listener. Yeah. Uh, I think those two things for starters. Um, and I also probably depending, you know, if let's say it's a colleague, um, 
having the right moment or the right opportunity that you could ask a question or if they bring something up, that, you know, so I can understand more about their culture or um, you're not just making, I guess, comments for myself that are just presumptuous mm. or could be offensive or actually really inappropriate. Like, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. So it's, for those, I guess it's those forming relationships with people mm. and allowing them to share what they want to share in their own time um, and when it comes to let's say a student um, you know again um, if there's a let's say for example there's a student you know when I was teaching prep that I thought potentially maybe there was some underlying um, concerns or challenges that they may need to eventually go and seek um, you know medical advice or information um, but only if it was actually impacting mm. not just because they were different if it's not impacting their learning or not impacting their social behaviors or their um, then it really wasn't a concern so it's finding the right moment and time to address that curiosity or those mm. concerns yeah and that, that inappropriate curiosity is so can be so damaging it's you know mm. are you asking this question just because you want to know mm. or is you know is this really part of this process of understanding this person's reality and maybe aligning them with the services that they, they might need or the additional support for example yeah that's mm. right because yeah asking questions just because they're different mm. that's when judgment's coming into play because they're not normal you know in inverted commas yeah um it's it's just if there is a concern or a challenge or mm. um, I guess that's that's students but yeah when it comes to people it's letting them in their own time feel feel comfortable they can I guess again going back to that authentic self yeah yeah and being vulnerable because they've got to be feel safe and and get to know me that I'm not going to judge them and that I am understanding and that I am accepting yeah so I think they have to know me as well and how have you noticed those elements of your work shift since you've come for greater understanding and acceptance of yourself then? I think, I think probably some, there's, there's definitely more acceptance um, that other people may not be ready actually. So when I was going through some, you know, re that really difficult time, other people don't know how to deal with that yeah so you know that can be avoidance or that can be you know maybe yeah comments that were actually upsetting and offensive to me because they don't know how to deal with you when you're in a you know um you know depressed or you know suffering anxiety or you know just having a really hard time mm. um so understanding that even though i needed people and i needed that not everyone is in their right space that they can give that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really grown your understanding that everyone's at a different point in their own journeys and that that's okay as well. Yeah, like it's, it is that compassion again, isn't yeah. it? It's okay to not be ready mm. and then it's okay to be at different points all along the way. Mm. Yeah. And so even if there were some people that, you know, maybe made some comments or their, their actions or behaviours were offensive or upsetting or... I'm certainly not supportive. I can't expect them to know how to deal with yeah. different challenges because maybe they've never experienced that before. Um, 
So how would they know how to, you know, it's all, mm. it's all experience, isn't yeah. it? Can we do better, though, at, at teaching that in social-emotional learning in schools, do you think? I think that's a big part of it for, mm. for inclusion um, to truly work and to be, you know, successful, I guess, in that space is that we, yes, we have to understand ourselves. We have to be mm. empathetic towards others um, and we have to learn about others. And again, mm. accept that others are different. And that's actually a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that that's one of the things I love about humans is that we're all so different. And mm. I, I call it call it shaking the snow globe. I think we still are stuck in these really binary ideas of normal, not normal, well, unwell, good, bad. That we actually need to start really shaking it up and starting talking about humans really differently, talking about people as individuals, and um, yeah, and seeing what they bring to the table. So I guess part of the exploration of this for me is around one of the places I feel my authentic self the most has been pole dancing, been either when I've been working in clubs or even um, teaching and participating in classes, that reconnection back to music and movement for me is really powerful. And I guess I'm struggling with how do I take that and transfer it to more professional spaces. And I know mm. that's partly around, again, my own narrative of this box is professional and th this box is slutty or some, you know, some story there that I'm still untangling. But that self-acceptance is part of our sexuality, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. I think for me, um, you know, I've met people, that's it, you know, through pole dancing that oh, you know, I don't talk about this, you know, with my friends and oh, I don't I, I don't put any of this on social media and none of my um, work colleagues know that I do that. And um, and again, when it comes to acceptance, if I talk about, oh, well, when I do pole fitness and being proud of that and, and that I love that and it's fun and if I talk about it, that it's not something to be shameful of mm -hmm. or um, that it's actually a really wonderful, fun and challenging experience, then I think I'm, um, I guess, pushing that message out to others that that it's okay, yeah. that it's not just about, yeah, you know, some strip club or something dirty or nasty or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, it's that social judgment of it, isn't it? And it's which is fascinating because it's it's wonderfully slutty and <laughs> dirty and like they're all the fun things about it. Is mm. it's this again it's that normalized space of it's okay to be sexual and I, th I don't think we get to see that in many other no. realms yeah. and it's i guess that's why it's been so successful as both a fitness activity and i think for a lot of people a therapy mm. you know it's been that opportunity to touch base and and be quite sexual yeah i don't know whether but it's done with fun yeah it, it's not um so if you know we're talking if it's um you know like a s sexual um nature but it's it's done with fun and there's lots of laughs so you know there's the challenge of actually um doing different tricks and moves and um but then at the same time it's i guess it is vulnerable isn't it because mm. you can you can fail in that trick or you don't look good <laughs> doing that you will not be putting that picture on social media no. move. <laughs> um so the people, all the women in the room, so you can be, no matter what size you are, big, small, you know, a bit too much, you know, muffin top or whatever, like short um, hot pants yeah, and yeah. a crop top and 
um, you look absolutely, you know, rotten doing whatever you're doing, but everyone's having a laugh, or you finally pull off that move and everyone in the room's cheering for you. Yeah. It is, um, oh, it is one of the safest spaces. Um, yeah, absolutely, I agree. That is it a space been... then that. Is it a space that allows people to lose the label? Like everyone's there in the same part of vulnerability that you, you know, because of the nature of the activity, you are in often in hot pants and a crop top, otherwise you can't pull off the move. And so everybody's already confronted some fears around body image and safety. And then you get to this point where it is really bonding, isn't it? Like the sense of community that comes from being able to be authentic and vulnerable. Mm. That's really interesting that the, because I think I often talk about relationships being at the heart of healing and you know when we look at trauma and things like that we know that that's the solution is building relationships and trust but maybe that is what pole dancing affords is a space to Mm. be vulnerable and authentic that builds relationships absolutely and that they're relationships that build a space to be vulnerable and Mm. authentic yeah because definitely the I would say you know there's only um you know a handful of you know I guess of the girls that um I've stayed in contact with you know as with anything in life um but those relationships are deep Mm. those conversations are deep yeah um yeah we've been friends for over a decade now we were like (laughs) so random is that you just meet people and then it's like many years later and you realize you've watched their kids grow up and then you know everybody's an old person (laughs) that's the process no No, we're not old no not old (laughs) so Oh, that's for me that's been a really insightful discussion around self-acceptance and that that space of being able to allow vulnerability and connection is is the core of inclusion as well isn't it that we need to know ourselves to know that we can be vulnerable because that creates spaces for other people yeah. to be vulnerable i do i do find it um interesting even the people who are not in that space yet where they aren't necessarily accepting or they do have a lot of judgments Mm. um i i still enjoy those conversations and i encourage encourage those conversations you know in the people that i work with Yeah, and I guess that resistance to it, and we do often see this particularly around uh, disability and gender, I think, is it's about people's own fear. It's about them actually not understanding themselves mm-hmm. well, that they it triggers that baggage. And I know for myself, the, those heinous judgments that I'm actively challenging of my inner critic, but also I guess my inner bitch says some really nasty things sometimes and it, it's okay to let those thoughts pass through me but it, because it comes from my own insecurity. It's mm. not about the person, it's about me yeah. and the way I feel about myself in that point in time. Um, and I think that kindness around it's okay for those thoughts to just pass through our minds. It doesn't make us bad people. Mm. We need to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And I think that's it. Everyone's at a different space which you know is what we've been saying mm. because I can you know look at other people's behaviors and what they do and even though I might hear others having judgment on what those you know others are doing or saying but I you know can see that that person's behavior comes from a particular yeah, how they're yeah, feeling about hurt. yeah where they're at at that mm. place in time um, and that that changes it can change in you know a year two years five years ten years and that person will be in a different place um so accepting who we are at this point in time yeah 
because it's going to change. Yeah, and I think that is radical intimacy. I think that really is about just laying it all bare and accepting who we are and where we are right now. We can't judge ourselves or others based on yesterday or tomorrow. It's about that, I don't know, is it the mindfulness of self-acceptance or something? <laughs> We've just coined a new movement. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> but it is, isn't it? It's about that just accepting and understanding with curiosity and empathy that's mm. that creates intimacy and it is radical because it's not the way the world is set up we're set up mm. to label and we're set up to judge and that people are competition that we have to knock mm. them down um, i read a quote the other day that it was you'll never you'll never hear someone who's doing better than you criticize you it's always the people who are doing mm. worse and you know that is that insecurity and we live in a capitalist society and we're yeah. measured by our money and our material accumulation but that's not how we hold value as humans yeah and that's it i th yeah probably when i look back at people who have um you know judged me and their behaviors have put me down um and certainly how i allowed that to let me feel um whereas as i've said to you you know that i'm kind of at a point that and I don't know how I got here really, but I don't care anymore. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but I think again, I had to hit rock bottom to climb back up to value my self and value my happiness. Mm. Did you rebuild the you you'd always needed? Yes, mm. absolutely. I can look back um, and, and not for years so felt so needy that I needed other people um, and that I you know and then I wasn't getting phone calls or someone didn't reply to my text or and then I would yeah self you know I guess that self-talk of yeah. putting myself down again that oh well people don't want you people don't like you um, who would want to be around someone like you um, whereas yeah working through all of all of that self-discovery and self-acceptance I don't I don't have that neediness anymore I'm quite happy in my own company Again, I guess be, being able to be more authentic, I don't think I would ever say that I felt completely authentic. I guess that's part of the challenge of this whole thing is what is authentic, right? Which, mm. is it a hat? Is it no hats? Yeah. Is the process of trying to be authentic inauthentic? And there's certainly um, part, yeah, parts of me, well, there's certain hats, so to speak, that I have but I don't share that with everyone because, and I guess um, through this process, I love Brené Brown and, and have read and listened to so much of her work. Um, and she talks about those who are worthy yeah. of you, you know, showing those who those hats are. Yeah. Not everybody, not everybody is worthy of seeing your authentic self and that that's okay. Yeah. So that's actually powerful too, to know that you have that control of who you wish to mm, That share. doesn't resonate with me at all. No? no I feel like that's inauthentic. Mm. I'm going to challenge Brene Brown. <laughs> no, I'm not. 
<laughs> we'll delete that bit. Um, yeah, I f- as I'm hearing you say that, I'm thinking if you're turning your authenticity on and off based on the audience, then that's inauthentic. That's, that's how my gut is responding to that. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I place too much pressure on this mythical idea of authenticity, which may be partly why I can't find it. Like maybe it is a more fluid but other thing. other people, and I guess that's when we, if we're saying we're going to accept that others are not always there yet, mm. they are not ready. It's not that we are not ready, they are not ready to accept. Is. I actually love watching my children growing up and hearing about how they talk about others. Mm. So that's a beautiful thing when we think, you know, I guess certainly our parents' generation and then our generation, um, you know, is becoming, each generation is becoming more inclusive and more understanding um, of others. And... So I think we went pretty, pretty deep. It's pretty, we did go pretty deep. Um, all right, so that, what a fascinating discussion on the contribution that self-acceptance makes to our work and our lives and that process of being kind to ourselves actually gives us more empathy and kindness for, towards other people to be able to include them. Thank you very much for joining me today, Tamara. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And make sure you subscribe to the Messy Hats podcast so you never miss an episode. And stop by goldcoastsexology.com.au for more discussions, training courses, and resources.